0: Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry passions and challenges they are facing. I'm Rachel Connolly from Evolution Recruitment Solutions to help our businesses connect with top tech talent, and today I am your host. Today we're going to be discussing the topic of how blockchain technologies can improve the environment. I'm joined by Andrew from Zillion Trees, Lewis from Moss Earth, Alex from Car... ClimaCoin and Guillaume from Carbonable. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So, Andrew, if you'd like to kick us off, please with a brief introduction.
1: Yeah, I'm Andrew Cohen, uh, co-founder of Zillion Trees, coming to you live from Los Angeles, and excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Andrew. Lewis, have we come to you next? Hi, everyone. I
1: am the CEO and founder of
2: Moss. Moss is a one-stop shop for Company credit and uh, offsetting services, and we develop street projects uh, in the Brazilian Amazon.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Lewis. Alex.
3: Hello, everyone. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the invite. I am Alex Casas. I'm currently an advisor of Climate Coin. First, I was like involved in developing the tokenomics, the token economy, and the first product that is and Coin. is a platform which is uh, like creating a climate finance ecosystem to democratize climate finance and scaling supply and demand in voluntary carbon markets to put financial incentives to the decarbonization of Earth.
0: Thanks, Alex. And last but not least, Guillaume.
4: Hi there, uh, Guillaume, co-founder of uh, Carbonable. Carbonable, we're, we, we act as the technology par- partner for for, for companies uh, for their carbon take. So we are the ultimate tool to de-risk, drive and communicate uh, offsets um uh, and uh and and, and so we we, uh, we allow to to overcome the three main challenges uh, towards like uh, carbon contributions which are uh, financial operational and repetitional our vision is is to set the new standard for transparency traceability and, and operational efficiency
0: thanks everyone now we're all introduced let's move on to the topic and focus so you all have a question or statement on how blockchain technologies can improve the environment as usual i'm going to work a- my way around the room asking you all to um, give context around your question and the reasons behind it each of you will then have the opportunity to give your take on the situation so if we start with you Andrew one of the things you wanted to ask the panel today was how can art, lean, and blockchain technology be used as a tool to galvanize new and different communities to be involved in the fight against climate change would you mind just giving us a little bit of context behind that Andrew and I suppose your take on it as well
1: yeah sure um Yeah, so we uh, co-founded Zillion Trees. Zillion Trees is a 3D Pixar-style art collection of virtual trees where for each tree you purchase, um, there is a corresponding amount of money that is donated to a variety of environmental nonprofits, um, including some towards um, carbon credits. And so it's interesting to, to hear about everyone else's awesome projects here. But you know, our idea with um, using the Pixar style of art is to create accessibility and interest for new communities to get involved in the fight against uh, climate change. So our thought is that it is a way to galvanize both existing uh, NFT collection holders to diversify their portfolios with a product um, or a piece of art that is for social good as well as inspire the new generation, maybe more millennials and Gen Z uh, individuals to get involved in, in the fight against climate change um, because maybe they haven't felt interested before, but having a unique project um, that's cool, that's progressive, that has fun and dynamic art and has other online perks um, might just intrigue the new generation to, to be involved and hopefully spurn them on a lar- larger um journey to be involved in just various climate-related causes.
0: Thanks, Andrew. If we start working away around the room, I guess, with people's um, views and, and thought points on how we're going to galvanize new and different communities to be involved in the fight against climate change. So, Alex, if we come to you first.
3: Thank you. I think that's a great way, uh, because uh, at the end of the day, technology is, in, is a tool. And if we mix the technology with the, the cultural and the, the art expression, we have more power to achieve uh, objectives. And, and for example, think it out loud. Uh, I'm like just like, you know like a digital twins of the Amazon forest that can people uh, so people can really see what's going on there. That will help uh, get the, the emergency situation closer to people and probably encourage them to to take action because in in fact, uh, and this is something that that shocked me. I, I read it in a in a in a friend blog post a like a couple of days. Uh, ago, it was like a scientist that was saying, like, for 30 years, I have been thinking that the loss of biodiversity, climate change, and rising temperatures is uh, like a big problem that we scientists must solve. But at the end of the day, I have discovered and I have realized that the real problem is greed, is apathy. It's something that scientists doesn't know how to tackle with. And, And it's so shocking and so true. And probably we must explore New ways of expression, like art, to try to pull people out from that apathy, from that greed, and from that selfishness that is, like, at the end of the day, causing this this sad situation. So, completely agree that it's like a very powerful way uh, to 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 suck to shake people and then to to action.
0: Thanks, Alex Lewis. Do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, um, I agree with the gentleman.
2: Uh, I think there are. Uh, also, besides uh, uh, new ways to align, you know, society and communities uh, to rally, or using technology to rally them behind the fight against climate change uh, uh, via NFTs, via uh, new digital uh, ways of, of transferring money, resources, etc. Uh, I think uh, it's not we should uh, avoid maybe being too skeptical on the existing systems. Uh, There are many faults uh, and much room for improvement. For example, in the incumbent traditional carbon credit system, the voluntary uh, carbon market, but yet uh, technology can add a lot of value there uh, so that we can improve what already exists uh, besides you know, creating new um, latest, new threads, uh, but improving what still exists. For example, um, a lot of the process, for example, for developing a carbon credit project, let's say the Amazon forest, uh, evolves, still evolves in 2023 with ChatGPT, et cetera, and artificial intelligence showing up everywhere. It still involves a very manual process of going out to the forest, measuring trees with metric tape, uh, you know, things that are still done the very same way as they were done uh 20 25 years ago when carbon credits uh you know began to to exist or were created so um, uh, our approach at least um at first has been to uh, try to automate uh and digitize a lot of these manual processes and does uh, gain uh, more efficiency and and therefore more credibility to the uh, existing ways of, of making money flow from the higher polluters to the
4: lower polluters.
0: Thanks, Lewis. Guillaume, can we talk to you next?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think overall, obviously, like, uh, aligned with, with, uh, with uh, what everyone said, I think art is, is definitely like a, a vector of, of communication, a vector of change, and it has been before blockchain and will uh, always be. It's, it's awesome to actually like bridge those two worlds together. Um, when coming back to, to, to the main question, I think, uh, obviously that's that, I mean, that, that'd be my answer. Uh, that's, that's actually the, the very reason why we've created a carbon wall at the very beginning. It was to empower anyone to be able to invest in nature regeneration. So that's how we started it. it is really like, okay, right now, regeneration projects cost million dollar plus uh and and obviously it's open to only large scale corporations how can we potentially open the gates to any investor to contribute to nature generation and 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 blockchain adds this layer of of you know uh, operational efficiency uh of of uh, instantaneity if we can say so also and also it's just you know at at the time we created it it was an still obviously but it wasn't like really like a very booming market with with you know it was the, the the bull market and obviously we wanted to redirect some of those uh, of this money to to impactful and and, and meaningful uh, projects so that's that's how we started but more than this I think obviously blockchain is a technology blockchain unlocks plenty of new borders of new opportunities and and, and of course we need to embrace it uh, to 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 fight actively the most pressing need of of, of, of our civilization.
0: Thanks, Guillaume. Lewis, if we come to your question next. So the first question you had was, how does blockchain help avoid the potential challenge or risks of double counting for carbon credits? Would you mind just giving us a little bit of context around that and then we can work our way around the room to get everyone's point of view on it? Sure,
2: Uh, anyone who has, you know, done any sort of deep dive into how the carbon credit or environmental asset system works globally, uh, I first probably realized that the way of transacting is archaic and very opaque. Uh, for example, when I began my research for uh, to uh, begin Moss and our work, um, I I was appalled to learn, or, or very surprised to learn that um, there were three um, projects, literally wall-to-wall, you know, neighbors uh, in the Amazon forest, and they were all basically doing the same sort of conservation work. But one uh, was selling credits at two, the other one at five, and the other one at ten. And they didn't know each other's prices because transactions have always been done over-the-counter, in opaque, and you know, opaque uh, um, you know, transactions in terms of the volumes, and especially in terms of the price. That has improved um, since then, with even traditional exchanges, let alone uh, crypto or blockchain exchanges, uh, that have standardized a lot of contracts, and that has led to uh, the uh, appearance or the creation of, um, um, you know, liquidity and secondary markets, and uh, always more importantly, screen prices. Um, and the price, you know, dispersion uh, from one project to the next has decreased by quite a bit. So we have the power in you know, the smaller project when negotiating with you know large cor- corporates, large oil and gas companies, um, they know what you know the fair price or the the average price uh, is nowadays. That being said, I think the transparency issue uh, is still, especially the double county issue, is still far from resolved. Uh, there are still many uh, websites or. Services they are selling carbon credits, and you gotta take their word for it. You know, uh, there's sort of uh, you have to analyze their credibility, and it's a a, a system based on trust, not a system based um, on uh, you know the uniqueness uh, of of every transaction, um, mm-hmm. and even the registries themselves, they still wear the digital notary office hat, uh, which um, you know, since the development or creation of blockchain, uh, they really shouldn't wear, like we should have decentralized data registries uh, and standardized contracts that should be put on blockchain and, uh, you know, people can transact basically anywhere they want, but the transaction will be uh, made public uh, in a standardized way. So we've made progress in the past few years, but there's still a lot of progress to uh, be done. uh, And I think the main obstacle you know, for the user blockchain and finally eliminating any risk of double counting, um is still uh, convincing the registries that crypto isn't nothing of the devil and it's not a tax evasion or or be evil. it's it's actually uh, more about just speculating. It's actually about uh, having a better technology for uh, the registry uh, of of
1: transactions.
0: Thanks, Lewis. Andrew, if we start with you on on Lewis's question. I think,
1: think, um, you know, I'm sure you'll hear this a few times today, but the key thing here is that blockchain is the ultimate transparent technology. And so I think that um, the opportunity for that type of visibility is really exciting, I think, for a variety of consumers. And um, as Lewis said, you know, I think it's just a matter of convincing a few parties here and there that this is a technology for good. And um, it's just important for people like us to be out there and not only be advocating for our own projects, but also just for the industry as a whole. And I think that as long as we can, you know, all work together and, and you know, do good within this technology, like we'll set a great precedent that will inspire more partners and, and players to be involved in a really impactful way.
0: Perfect. Thanks Andrew. Alex, anything to add on that?
1: Yeah, I can't I, I can't agree more
3: with my with my mates, especially what uh Luis said uh, around uh, like the meta registries and having registries on chain because we have to split this problem of double counting. There is two faces or two sides. One is the double counting in off-chain registries but then is the double counting in the tokenization, in the blockchain, like, and and it's two different things. At the end of the day, uh, I have always said, and believe, and I firmly believe that blockchains are particularly good uh, to, like, to give an attestation or to certify that something that happens in a digital environment can be proven in a digital environment. When things go to physical things. Things get a little more tricky, and in fact, carbon credits are one of the first example of digital certificates. But in fact, what has happened is that all the registers are like isolated pieces of information that are not interconnected to each other, or that doesn't have a lot of willingness to interoperate with the, with other parties, which at the end of the day makes it more difficult to uh, like to prevent these uh, issues. So. We as an industry, for example, what, what, what we are doing, for example, to provide that trust is like using uh, like custodies in off-chain registries, immobilized registries, immobilized credits that are already being issued and that are supposed to not being uh, double counted. And then being constantly giving proof of reserve by different means so people can be always be sure that the climate coin or the token that he's holding really has a backing in an app, in an off chain registry, but still this is like a uh, like a pain until we do not have like native blockchain registries. And I would even go a little bit more farther, uh, like fed by digital uh, measuring, reported and verification technologies, in which uh, we can reduce as much as possible the human intervention in all the in all the processes. Because sadly, uh, not all, but what what humans have demonstrated and the reason of being a blockchain is that we are not entitled to that trust. So I sometimes imagine uh, I got whatever saying to humans, humans, you have failed in providing trust to your peers. Now it's over to you to provide trust. It's the turn of cryptography, maths and technology. So that's the point when, when we can be sure of, of being preventing not only double counting, but other, other parts and other kinds of, of fraud that uh, unfortunately are happening uh, every day. But in fact, yeah, transparency, openness, everything is adding up. And the situation uh, today is a little bit better than yesterday and, and a little bit worse than tomorrow. The good news is that there is a lot of people here. We have a few of them. Like working for these novel objectives, like putting their wisdom, putting their work, their investment, their resources to achieve these objectives. So I think we are in a good path. i'm
4: I'm like hopeful and uh, optimistic about it.
0: Thanks, Alex. Guillaume, did you have anything you wanted to add on those points?
4: Yeah, I mean, um, c- c- couldn't agree more on on uh, on the analysis both uh, Luis and Alex about like the the importance of having like a meta registry. I'm saying. I think what we've done at carbonable and the way the way we see let's say this global issue is um all right like each step of the carbon life cycle if we might say so from the very beginning of the sourcing of the of the nature-based projects to the very end of the of the you know the the uh, the, the usage of the carbon credits and and to verify uh, that they're indeed connected to real world uh, you know projects like the whole uh map we're we're using that methodology and that mindset how can you know technology and we go beyond just blockchain just how technology can solve the issue and that's where i go actually uh, hand by hand with alex is is you know um, uh, we need to uh, you know uh, reduce at a maximum let's say the human uh, bias uh, that exists uh, uh, leverage existing technologies to provide trust and to provide transparency and traceability all along the way, so that's really like the 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 way we've structured our, our our offering and 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 the way we're moving forward actually step after step. I think there is one motto that we have is "Don't trust, verify." It's really the mindset is okay, uh, y- y- like what can allow to to actually attest uh, without any doubt that you know the information that is here is right. And and obviously, if you put like private registries, uh, that's something that you you have to trust uh, someone that he's you know. Providing the right information, and obviously this is a source of 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 uh, of error and a source of greenwashing. So beyond you know like the the goal of like uh, you know uh, as we said like double counting and and, and other like specific issues of uh, carbon credit specific, I think one key thing that we are trying to fight is greenwashing. I think um, and and that goes with don't trust verify is really okay. You can communicate about things that you do obviously, but communicate uh, backed with facts that are uh, uh, non-biased and that are not, uh, you know, that are uh, uh, certified in a way that you know that no one can actually, uh, like, it's information that comes from technology and from uh, 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 trustful uh, parts.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Guillaume. Uh, Alex, if we come to you next? Um first question a little bit controversial so we might revisit that at the end but the second question was how blockchain can be used to avoid or influence harmful behaviors or foster good behaviors do you just want to give us a little bit of context behind that
3: yeah sure and and that has a little bit to do with the with that quote or that thing that i said before about greed apathy and selfishness blockchain is a tool i mean human are humans human nature is human nature but what is the good news is that blockchain as a technology, um, because of its ability uh, to put in, in place like game theory, incentives and so on, incentives can like help model human behavior to certain o- o- objectives. And uh, this is why I wanted to, to discuss this in, in here, because it, the limit is the imagination and, and the creativity. And I think we have seen in the space like uh, like very good examples. Very, like, simple example, like this project, I don't remember the name file pines that were, like, paying tokens to people for retrieving plastic from the, from the sea. And that's a very clear example. I mean, if nothing, if you are not getting anything that the personal reward of, of cleaning the beach of, of plastics, probably two people will do it. When you put a financial incentive on it, then things start to happen and things start to, to accelerate. And that's like the good news, because even though I repeat human nature, human nature, but incentives have a very powerful uh, role in in that behavior and that's uh, ability to shape the human nature and and behavior and coming back, for example, uh, and linking back a little bit to the question of of art uh, and with Andrew, uh, it's like we have seen like people uh, liking to show off because that's also part of some humans' nature. And people are showing off with with monkeys in their Twitter account, two million, three million dollar monkeys. And and then I raised the following question. What would be more meaningful even to show off? Have that monkey or have an NFT that proves that you have offset 300,000 tons from the atmosphere. That's another way to show off that can be art, that NFT, that PFP can be like a very nice piece of art, but you only have access to it if you achieve a certain level of a carbon offset with your with your account. So that's the incentive, the incentive to show off. And, and that's like what could push people, wealthy people to say, okay, I don't want monkeys anymore. I want to show off in a much more responsible and sustainable way. and. I'm still like saying, hey, look how much money I have to spend in my Twitter profile. But it's not for showing just a piece of art. It's just a piece of art, which has something much more uh, meaningful uh, behind it. And, and that's the, the, the good news uh, that thanks to the transparency and the openness and that no one can tamper with, we can put in place these incentive games uh that can be as complex as we want uh probably not too much complex otherwise people are not gonna play with it but finally and as a forward uh money moves the world it's sad but it's like that so we must find ways to put that financial incentives and find the ways to find that or to pull up that financial resources to model that human behavior Either to not harm more the planet or
4: either to heal it.
0: Thanks, Alex. I think it's a very, very interesting discussion point. Um, Guillaume, if we start with you on that one.
4: Yeah, I think um, the incentivization is, is can take different forms. For, for obviously, that's how we said. Like some are most driven about the image, like the, the, the kind of show off mentality. Some are more driven by money. Some are more driven by power, etc. What is what is what we agree 100% on is is that indeed uh, money. Uh, rules the capitalist, capitalistic world, and we live in a capitalistic world. And I think maybe, probably, and maybe I talk for Luis, but but uh, uh, if 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 you disagree, you can you can tell. After I think, uh, obviously, like the, the current credits behavior, like the current credits mechanism is sort of uh, oriented that way. At least for let's say private investments, is you can actually invest in you know in nature regeneration or nature conservation projects. So there are obviously like. More than required for nature, an emergency, you can invest in those, and you will get like a return on investment. And that return on investment, you have two ways to use it. Either you, for your image, you can actually say, "All right, I uh, personally offset, uh, you know, my my emissions." So you can, you know, finance the amount that you need to to offset your emissions, or you can also use it for financial purposes. You can say, "Okay, I know that companies will." Use those carbon credits, and 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 so I can make money money out of it. So I think the the the, the nature of carbon credits is really with that uh, virtuous incentive behind is more so like a, a financial asset that allows uh, green solutions that enhance that enables uh, green solutions. I think right now the one of the key issue of the carbon market at at this stage, and it's it's getting better here and there. Uh, is 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 actually like the, the poor execution. And and I think that's where uh you know various entrepreneurs and, and companies that are tackling this issue on the different fronts of the of the value lifecycle will uh, provide like a truly virtuous circle. Uh, Greenwashing free and impactful.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Gail and Joe. Do you have anything to add?
1: Yeah I mean I think a lot of a lot of uh great thoughts so far. Um you know I think that, I I really resonate with what Alex said about how there's just this larger meaning or or mission behind some of the artwork and I think that um, you know that certainly incentivizes more people because um, there's there's great projects there's great artwork there's great missions out there um, that are you know bigger picture and I think that it's important that just like all these different industries are are changing or dinosauring out it's important that um, you know the nonprofit sector or or environmental causes are doing the same, and I think that blockchain is a really natural fit, um, especially working with certain blockchains um, such as like Polygon and and uh, Tezos and Solana, where they have you know different models. Um, and um, you know I think that things like the traceability, things like the the transparency, those are all the types of things that this next generation of of donors and constituents are looking for. And so it's just, again, important for us to be transparent and uh, that will really galvanize people to um, get involved in an impactful way in this new generation of of fighting against climate change.
0: Thanks, Andrew. Lewis, we come to you on, on that discussion point. Yeah, you, you guys aren't much fun. We should have had
1: like a banker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like a 19, you know, 1980s type PFP banker that doesn't really believe me in, in crypto or blockchain. But anyways, uh, maybe just uh, to throw an extra idea out there that I think, uh, from what you guys are saying, being blockchain advocates, uh, you'll agree. There's a a, a guy who uh, passed away two two years ago, uh, a very famous ecologist in Brazil. His name is Alfredo Kirchis, last name K-I-R-K-I-S, and he was a visionary and maybe four or five years ago, before you know the first, let's say, said at uh, tokenizing uh, carbon credits or, you know, putting environmental assets on, on blockchain, he said, and I'm I completely agreeing with, with his view, he's like a carbon maximalist. He thinks uh, that carbon credits or environmental assets may be at large, um, but anything that represents a carbon either stored, you know, in a tree or carbon sequestration will uh, be the, should be and will be the most valuable asset in the world. Um, And his view was carbon credits are much better as a store of value uh, than um, any other asset, uh, including Bitcoin. Uh, And, you know, Bitcoin beats gold and fiat because, you know, it's digital, it's, just as gold and, and fiat it you know it's global, it's liquid, but uh you can maintain the anonymity and it's decentralized. Uh but then carbon credits are you know better than than uh Bitcoin because it's as you know global, liquid, dollarized uh, and decentralized. Uh but with the advantage of not having Uh, CO2 emissions, right? Um, Bitcoin, and I know it's not as bad a problem as the media makes it out to be, but it still does use uh, old fossil energy uh, for mining, whereas carbon credits, of course, create incentives for uh, the other way around. So in terms of the incentives, uh, I think if we can get past, and I think we're on the right path, the resistance of just as, you know, central banks and governments and the establishment, you know, large financial conglomerates, etc. They fear Bitcoin for their loss of power, right? Uh, I think uh, they'll They're already be getting to fear carbon credits as, uh, you know, a story value and, and, and as money. Like if we could just transact, you know, tokenized carbon credits don't expire. As well, uh, that's an interesting characteristic of it. So it can really be a store of value you know, forever. So what would you rather hold—a you know, carbon credit of, you know, carb- what ton of carbon that was stored in a tree in the Amazon forest, or one Bitcoin, or you know, equivalent in in gold? Of course, I think uh the uh, tokenized carbon credit uh, is the best way and the ultimate, um the most scarce asset. Most important asset is already, you know, stored or sequestered carbon, and as climate change becomes uh, more and more of a concern globally, I think the, you know society will begin to value that as 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 uh, you know as a currency, really. And then once and if it does become a currency or seen as a currency, then we can create all sorts of you know crazy incentives here, uh, you know, staking. Um, we can uh just the mere fact that it could be used for it, transaction as a uh, um, or, you know an, a transaction uh, uh, a way of transacting uh or people exchanging goods uh you know then it become more liquid and then we get into this virtuous uh, cycle where we're uh, really valuing uh you know our most important asset, which is nature uh, the most important asset becomes also the, our most valued uh, store of value and way to the transactable
0: thanks Lewis. alex i think you had something to add
3: yeah thanks lisa i love it i can't agree more and in fact there is something I, I dream about i have written some articles about it and and it's like go to the carbon pattern i mean if we look to history and that the ability of gold and the paper of gold the role of gold in, in monetary history it has been a store of value because its ability to perpetuate the power and the status quo of its holder upon the happening of major crises or, or, uh, or bad happenings. Now that role is, is played precisely by carbon that is not emit or captured by the atmosphere. Why on earth would you want to hold gold three meters below water? I mean, and if, if we critically think about it, we will realize that that ability to perpetuate our status quo. Not as as a living, but as a living species is played by by carbon, and I convinced that we will see uh, carbon as a form of payment, as a form of money, and and that's a dream that I think is shared by a lot of people. We are working on that, and thank Luis a lot for mentioning this because I think it's a really really uh, important thing to uh, to talk about to make people reflect about that store value characteristic. In fact there is a, a book that I confess I still haven't read. I have heard about it. It's the Ministry of Future and it fantasizes with a world in which money is based on, on, on carbon. And um let's go. Let's go for it. <laughs> We're gonna make it. <laughs> thanks. Thanks.
0: thanks. Thanks Alex. Yes Gil?
4: Yeah I, I simply would like to, to add something is is the only the only thing in the equation let's say that that would be be worth uh, uh, you know discussing about, and I think that that would be that that would be probably like a, a very long uh, discussion that we we need to have. But it's it's the concept of, obviously of, of vintage that comes with a carbon credit, i.e. Uh, the, the year this carbon credit happened. Uh, so so whether it being like sequestration, I think is 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 key. Is when did the capture of the carbon happen? Was it in two thousand twenty three? Or was it in 2015? In a way, if we think like, uh, you know, philosophically, obviously something that you uh, uh, when you buy a current credit with the sequestration that that already happened like 12 or 15 years ago, it has in a way less impact than the one that you're, you know, financing right now, because the one that you're financing right now is needed for the solution to, uh, to, to, to take birth, right? And, uh, and, and I think that's that's what you know complexifies a little bit like the the, the this 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 uh, mechanism and scenario of like carbon credit being like a, you know uh, uh, just a money as as other uh, type of monies because one euro that was generated two years ago one euro that is generated now is this one euro uh, this concept of a carbon credit they're by themselves non- fungibles um, I think that's 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 the concern that I wanted to brought, bring in, and I think like some of the you know the carbon uh, the the, the web free carbon uh, companies uh, uh, you know consider carbon credits to be fungible, whereas they're not. Uh, a carbon credit of a project that is you know financed in in Costa Rica has nothing to do with a carbon credit of a, of a project that is financed, uh, for example, on a mangrove project in, in, in Kenya, for example. So so they have different set of metadata different uh, you know characteristics different countries and any of course they have a different price because the impact is not the same and uh, and, uh, and 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 because impact is not only about like the tone of carbon that you that you that you capture it's also about the biodiversity that you preserve the local communities that you finance etc cetera, etc cetera. so so this non fungibility is something that that you know at carbon War at least we, we 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 try to avoid we avoid and we go with what we call like semi-fungible, meaning that indeed, like in the same project for the same vintage, they're all equals, but different projects, they're different. And, and and even like same project, but different years, they're different.
0: Thanks, Guillaume. Lewis. did you have something to add?
4: Yeah, very deep discussion here. We could go on for
2: hours. It's not days. Uh, but uh, uh, there is a counterpoint there. Um Fair points on the different characteristics of the projects and impact. This being said, um, some like me uh, believe that it's a market imperfection that there are price differences between the vintages. Uh, Because on a technical basis, climate credits don't expire. So the market is attributing a depreciation to an asset that on a technical basis doesn't doesn't exist. If I buy uh, a CDM uh, renewable energy, you know, credit from 2009, and I buy a uh, Vera VCS Red Plus CCB Triple Gold, like the highest I standard, you know, for one I'll pay like a buck maybe, maybe even less, fifty cents. For the other one I'll pay like you know fifteen twenty dollars, but the claim that I can make is the same, right? On that. So, and at the core of the concept of a carbon credit, when when the whole system was devised, uh, this should have been a commodity. Um, and I think there. I, I mean, it's maybe sort of like you know the goal of communism, which you know Marx and Lenin they said you know humanity will get there, and in the middle of the way you had. You know, from capitalist to communism we had socialist. Maybe it's it's somewhat what I think might happen here is that, you know, in the future a carbon sequestered carbon or avoided carbon will be weighed and, and priced the same way and it should be a commodity. Um, and then you're gonna have maybe different just like you said, maybe semi fungible what you call semi fungible, maybe are different just like in gold, you have different grades, or in iron ore, or different commodities, or oil. you have the WTI, I have brand, you know, bio or Mexican. Uh, you're going to have different, you know, grades, or, or depending on the impact, and they'll all trade maybe around a range, you know, with more impact, maybe two or three bucks more than the standard. uh less impact older methodologies may be one or two or three dollars below the standard, but they all hover sort of around uh, um, the same price. Uh, but I I do think uh, that uh, that it's it's maybe a temporary phenomenon to have uh, companies are paying different prices for different vintages, not for the technical reason that they think. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh if if on a technical base, a carbon credit from renewable, you know, were worth less environmentally than a carbon credit of a newer vintage from forestry, they would have ratios, right? The registries would say, oh, okay, then a renewable you do, you're going to need two renewable energy credits to get one uh, forestry credit, and that's not how it works, right? So. I think it's a market imperfection that as the system begins to gain liquidity, and whereas the certainty of the methodologies also reduces as we get a, more cons- a greater consensus on the methodologies. The risk of someone buying, oh, no, that's older methodology, it's no longer done that way, and therefore, you know, by the Gen 2011 credits are trading at a huge discount. That shouldn't happen anymore. Uh, but, uh, lots of thought exercises on what the future uh, and crystal ball stuff uh, would go on here too on that discussion.
0: Thanks Lewis. I think um, the discussion around carbon credits themselves leads nicely onto Guillaume's question and um, which was beyond carbon credits themselves how can blockchain technologies combined with other technologies improve the nature-based solutions ecosystem and answer some of its pressing needs? So Guillaume, would you mind just giving us a little bit of context behind that?
4: Yeah, so in, and I'll take the advantage also to to maybe add a point on, a, on on a previous topic because it goes hand in hand. Is we we are truly convinced that not all nature-based solutions are equal, uh, not all projects decarbonation, decarbonation projects as a whole are equal. Uh, it goes beyond carbon. Carbon is one of the factors, and it's an important factor. Obviously, it's it's you know the quantity of carbon that you either captured or avoided. Uh, that said, like there are other elements behind it are as much uh, as important as the other ones, uh, which are like what are the the collaterals, like the external posit- positivities uh, uh, that are generated by the projects behind, and 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 so that's why I think like you know even though I understand that at some point you know one carbon credit is one carbon credit, that's why uh, that's where the the semi-fungibility uh, kicks in, and the fact that they're not equal is is by by design like projects are not the same outcomes are not the same they cannot be priced the same way like uh, you know a very bad project that happened 20 years ago that was uh you know uh, i don't know uh, done by by uh, children or stuff like that that cannot be priced the same way as a very qualitative you know project uh, that, that is being done now but that's that's you know a discussion that we could discuss much much longer um i think so beyond carbon credits as i said like i I think nature-based solutions as a whole you know, is, is a massive uh, market. It's over 120 billion dollars right now. Uh, that's that's the like that's but that's a market that it needs to triple at least before 2030. And and that's where like as we said like I think a blockchain and 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 all of the, the money that is generated here can be you know uh, you know that redirected there. It can also increase accessibility. As we said, like you're not. Uh, you're not now obliged to have like a, a significant amount of money to, to contribute. You can now, uh, you know, fragment those investment opportunities to, to you know, to just uh, multiply and, and enhance the private investments in, in, in this industry, which is much, much needed. Another point, and that's where like, it goes beyond technology blockchain as, as itself. And that, that goes to a point that I think uh, Alex mentioned before, uh, is, you know, you know, the digitalized measure rate verified, like all all the technologies behind, which are like, you know, satellite imagery, AI, um, like is a combination of technologies that you can use to actually, uh, 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 you know, improve each step of the value lifecycle. So for example, on the verification side, once you finance the project, okay, you should get this amount of current credits over time. But what proves that those that those projects are still alive and they are still running good. So here you can leverage other technologies such as GMR RV uh, that leverage like the, the latest technologies, and that's something that provides both like something that is in a way you know satellite imagery is is hardly uh, questionable, and, and and B is something that you can get like uh, continuously uh, almost. Um, and uh, and and that's this I think is just you know if we look at the ecosystem as a whole. Uh, there, there are plenty of flaws. This is a major market, major opportunities, major need both for the companies and for the planet. We just need now to plug you know, all the different good solutions to improve each step of the process to make something that is meaningful, trustworthy, uh, transparent, and, uh, and, uh, and, and that can indeed like, uh, change the world in for the better.
0: Thanks, Gilles. Alex? Do you have anything to add on that one?
4: Well, I'm so
3: happy that you put this, this question, Guillaume, because it's like forcing us a bit to take us out to the, to the carbon tunnel vision. It's a pressing problem. It's like the consequence of all the problems, environmental problems we have on Earth. But, but it seems that, the, that only by capturing or reducing carbon we are going to fix our problems, and it's not like that. We have water, biodiversity, plastics, and so on. And nature-based solutions, in fact, are the intersection between the carbon problem and the, and the biodiversity problem, uh, probably. And, and again, for, for me, it's a matter of, of funding. It's a matter of access to financial incentives and financial resources to be able to develop these NATO uh, solutions. And, and if we think about it, most of the people that might be or can have the ability to develop these solutions don't even have a bank account. How on earth are they going to receive funding? Not to talk about the credit history. So blended finance, for example, of others putting a stake, a collateral, like responding for the potential default of the, the money or the resources that someone received in a wallet from a lending campaign, which is something that we, are, that we are developing, it's a solution to that access to funding. Because at the end of the day, it's like, you don't have funding. <laughs> well, you are screwed. <laughs> you are screwed. And, and if you don't even have the ability to get funding, well, you are double the screwed. So it's like you have two problems to solve. First, how to get funding and then get the funding itself. And blockchain it's like a, like, like the, the, the obvious solution uh, to, to this problem, not to talk, which I of course uh, agree in like, giving that like efficiency in providing all the metrics that can prove that things are happening as they are supposed to be happening with IoT satellite, imagery and and so on, and also like make it more efficient and less costly. So people doesn't have to uh, raise so much funding and everything can be more like have got more economical uh, sense and more economical viability because let's be realistic, uh, there is like budget. There is things like return on investment and, and so on and sometimes, unfortunately, when you see like the potential outcome in carbon credits or a certain biodiversity or nature base or whatever other kind of of project, (coughs) sorry, the conclusion is that it's not economically viable. And what we are forgetting, and I can't uh, stop remembering this, Uh, I'm sure you guys know it, but probably most of the audience not, when the IPCC is a panel of scientists that was hired by the United Nations to put up some conclusions on, on the all like the the way that we were going through uh, fighting for for climate change, and some days before that uh, that report was supposed to be made public at United Nations, there was a leakage, right? In that leakage, uh, scientists, trusted scientists all over the world, said something like. Economic development is not compatible with our survival. We have to stop growing. Think about it, and I'm putting this into the into the discussion because of reflecting why if something is not economically viable, should not be done. It's not that obvious. Maybe we need to try to change uh, that mindset and 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 be more like confident scientists that I repeat. The, the, the phrase and the quote is bold. Economical development is not compatible with our survival. It's like mind-blowing. And of course that part of the report was not published in official <laughs> thing. But that's why also another reason I wanted to put this in this
1: in this podcast.
0: Thanks, Alex. Andrew, do you have anything you wanted to, to add on those those points?
1: No, I mean I think uh you all just said it so well, and I'm just inspired by um, some of the thoughts and, and progress we're making here. And I, I, I feel like I want to meet you guys afterwards and, and work together because I think <laughs> we are the change makers. We're going to make some good stuff happen. And I'm just excited to take on the, the corporate elites and, and uh, you know, make some, some great change happen.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Well, yeah, I think that leads nicely to conclude today's podcast, given the, the time. Um, very interesting discussion. Thank you for joining. Um, Thanks to all our guests for joining us today and sharing their views with us. We would like to also thank you for listening and hope you can join us again next time.